0: Chapter 1 of The Adventures of Tommy Post Office, The True Story of a Cat This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio The Adventures of Tommy Post Office, The True Story of a Cat, by Gabriel E. Jackson Chapter 1. Tommy's First Appearance Meow, 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 meow. The first sound came from a dark corner in the cellar of the R post office, far in behind some stored away mail pouches, and the second was its answer, as a fine black-and-white cat made her way daintily across the dusty pouches, shaking first one foot and then another, to free them from any dirt which might adhere to them before entering the corner from which the first cry proceeded. And, indeed, she had reason to guard those snowy stockings she wore, for she had taken infinite pains to wash them until they were immaculate. Have the first sounds betrayed the secret of that dark corner? It was a spot rarely visited by the post office officials, and that was the very reason it had been sought out by this mother cat. For, hidden there upon some soft old leather pouches, were five wee, squirming kittens, which were clamoring for their dinner, and their mother. The pet of every one in the office was coming with it just as fast as any mother could. She had stolen away, while her babies were fast asleep, to visit Jimmy, the engineer. For Jimmy and Peggy post office were boon companions and shared a dinner daily. As Peggy picked her way along, she gave an occasional lick to her lips for thereupon still lingered both taste and odor of a fine bit of cold roast beef. A moment later, she was crooning to her children as only a loving old mother cat can. Meantime, events were hurrying along above stairs. The great mail wagons had backed up to the post office to take their load of outgoing letters. Carriers were hurrying in from all parts of the city with their letter bags filled with mail matter. The clerks were rushing about the office, and Uncle Sam was being served with alacrity. Who ever heard of such a rush of mail at this season of the year? A month later, there might be some sense in it. Haven't half enough bags to hold it all? Where are all those reserve ones, Pete? Hustle downstairs and get up half a dozen of them, will you? Called the head of the department. Pete, the general factotum of the post office, gave one bound over the pile of bags which were already upon the floor, tore through the door, and vanished below stairs. About ten minutes elapsed, and then he came struggling up the stairs, bearing in his arms two of the cumbersome mail pouches, talking what seemed to be a string of unintelligible nonsense, and chuckling as though he knew a huge joke. Hustle, you boy, I say. Don't keep the whole office waiting. Why, what? And every man in the department followed the speaker as he hurried toward the struggling Pete. Some held a handful of letters some an open mail pouch which they were about to swing upon the supporting frame. How's that for a fine showin' for the lady of the post office? Ain't that as dandy a litter as you ever clapped your eyes on? Five of 'em and every one a bute. Here's the very mother's son of 'em," cried Pete as he held up by its wee neck handle a tiny reproduction of Peggy Post Office, white nose, white shirt front, white stockings, white tail tip, and all complete. Five pairs of bright little eyes blinked at the men in the brilliant sunlight of the office. Five little mouths squealed in chorus. Five cunning kittens not two weeks old squirmed and wriggled about upon the mail pouch, while their proud but somewhat anxious mother warbled to them reassuringly and rubbed herself against the legs of the admiring audience. Mr. Wilson, the head of the department, chuckled with delight as he said, "'Peggy, old girl, you've done yourself proud this time, and no mistake.' Then one of the men lifted the cat to the table where the kittens were being admired. Peggy fully appreciated the honor, but was filled with maternal solicitude for her family, as kittens had been known to disappear mysteriously when discovered by even the most cherished and trusted friends. "'Where did you find her, Pete?' asked Mr. Wilson. "'I've hunted in every hole and corner for those kittens without discovering even a hair.' "'On these bags, way over in the corner of the cellar. Great old cat,' was the reply." "'Well, next thing to be done is to fix up a box for her ladyship. "'As soon as we get this mail off to it, will you, Pete? "'Put her down behind my desk. "'It's sort of dark and snug there, "'and I guess she'll like it and let them stay "'if we don't bother her too much.' "'An hour later, Peggy Post Office and her family "'were as snug as bugs in a rug. "'Pete had found a good-sized box, "'filled it half full of Excelsior, "'and placed it behind Mr. Wilson's desk.' and there was as soft a bed as any reasonable cat could wish for. Mrs. Post Office and her family were at home, and had they been content to remain there, this history of Tommy Post Office would never have been written. However, true to her instincts, this mother cat detested a change. In her eyes, no spacious box ever made, or the softest Excelsior ever shaved up, could compare with that dark corner of the cellar, safe from inquisitive, even though admiring eyes, and near the familiar odor of the old leather mail bags. For some unknown reason, a heavier mail was passing through the R office, just then, than had ever been known at that season of the year, for Thanksgiving mails are not, as a rule, heavy ones. The men were exceptionally busy. A night or two after Peggy had taken up her abode behind Mr. Wilson's desk, the night shift of clerks was just coming on, and there was the usual bustle and hurry of the exchange. Nobody thought of Peggy, and she was very glad of it, for she had a little scheme to carry out, and preferred doing so unaided. The men were working rapidly upon the outgoing Eastern mail, for it would close in ten minutes, and that meant to work as fast as possible. Here, Pete, set up another bag for Hartford. This one will burst for sure, if there's any more jammed into it. Don't like to send out a bag with hardly a handful of letters in it, but this one won't hold another letter cried Mr. Wilson, as he struggled to fasten a mail bag which was almost bursting with the number of letters which had been crowded into it. Pete swung another pouch upon the supporting bars. An armful of letters was dropped into it. Click! went the clasp, and the bag was fastened, not to be opened again until the Hartford Post Office was reached the following morning. When Mr. Wilson came to his desk the next morning, and peeped behind it to say, good morning, to the family residing in the box of Excelsior, Tommy Post Office was missing. Peggy meowed and tried to tell him what had happened, but Mr. Wilson had never studied Cat Latin. More than 12 hours had passed since that mail pouch was clicked together in the R office, and then, far away in one of the New England states, on a Thanksgiving morning, a strange scene took place, one that the Post Office officials had not arranged for. Hustle, boys! Hustle! Hustle! Uncle Sam doesn't often give his officials a half-holiday. Thanksgiving comes but once a year, and my landlady has the prize turkey of the town waiting for me up yonder. I know all about him, for I bought him for her, and he's a dandy, cried Robert Weston, as he bustled about in his quick, energetic manner, doing more in one minute than the average man could compass in ten. Open up those pouches, Ben. All fired lot of them for a Thanksgiving mail. Where is this one from? R. Wonder what the Empire State has got to tell about this time. Down, Coco. What's the use of you trying to stick your inquisitive nose into this fuss? You just keep yourself cool and collected. We can attend to this business and not half try. The last words were spoken to a handsome little spaniel which perched high upon a shelf which ran along one side of the receiving room about four feet above the sorting table was fussing and whining to be taken down. His master always put him there for safe keeping, and there he would remain for hours, watching all that went on with his sharp black eyes, and awaiting his master's, Come, Coco, to spring fully six feet into his outstretched arms, confident that those arms would never fail him, for had not his mother before him sat upon that broad shelf day after day for years, and trained her son to do likewise? Then, when old age came creeping upon her, and she was forced to remain at home, she resigned the care of her beloved master to her doughty son, feeling sure that her responsibility was wisely shifted. But Coco's ears were sharper than his master's, and he had heard a sound proceeding from one of those mailbags the like of which he had never heard before. A second later there was shaken upon the mail table from out of one of the bags a wee, squirming, half-dead kitten. One wild, reckless leap, and Coco was upon the table, licking and whining over poor little Tommy Post Office. Then excitement reigned supreme for a while, for never before in all the history of the Hartford Post Office had a mail pouch dropped upon the sorting table, such a missive as this. If Uncle Sam's postal officials neglected their duties that Thanksgiving day, the Postmaster General would have been obliged to accept a funny enough excuse for their having done so. The wording might have run somewhat in this wise. Owing to the unexpected arrival of a tiny black-and-white kitten, whose state of health required instant attention at the hands of the postal force, the mail was temporarily delayed. In less than half a jiffy, Robert Weston had picked up the forlorn little kitten. In another jiffy, he had sent one of the men out to buy some milk, and, funniest of all, a doll's nursing bottle. When the man returned, the milk was warmed and Tommy Post Office was initiated in artificial feeding, with Coco sitting close beside him and cocking up first one ear and then the other, as though he felt it in his duty to supervise. The kitten heartened up wonderfully under this care and took his rations like a little major. Then, wearied from the hustling about he had undergone in the mailbag, he was only too glad to snuggle down beside Coco when Mr. Weston laid an overcoat upon one corner of the table and said, "'Here, old man, you've got a job now, and no mistake. "'Lie there and take care of this infant "'until it is time for us to go home to our Thanksgiving dinner.' "'Coco seemed proud of his honors. "'The kitten cuddled close to his warm side, "'nestled in under his long, silky hair, "'and went fast asleep as a dormouse, "'and neither animal stirred until eleven o'clock "'struck upon the big clock nearby. "'Then the post office closed its doors for the day.' and the officials went to their various homes to do justice to our national gobbler. When he was ready to take his departure, Robert Weston called the dog, picked up the kitten, and dropped it into his pocket, and went his way to his boarding house, where he was a universal favorite with old and young, as well as every animal upon the place. Peggy Post Office, far away in the post office at R., little guessed the scene in which her son was figuring as the star actor, for Tommy's adventure had to be related again and again. Tommy himself shown to everyone, petted, admired, and marveled over, until it was a wonder his head was not hopelessly turned then and there. But he was destined to have an eventful life, and his journey was only the beginning of his wonderful experiences. End of chapter one.